Hello everyone, welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Alexis Clark and I'm joined today by Steve Sanye. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone, both in and out of the field of public health. Today, we're delighted to talk with University of Iowa CPH alum, Aaron Reinke, who attained his MPH in epidemiology in 2019. He currently serves as an epidemiologist at Black Hawk County Health Department. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me on, you guys. I appreciate it. So, Aaron, can you tell us a bit about your path into public health? How did you end up in your current role at Black Hawk County Public Health? Yeah, so I kind of began my education at the Iowa State University, and I was uh, majoring in biology, and I took the pre-med route just because I didn't know if that was something I wanted to do, but um, I wanted to cover my bases a little bit, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with biology, and really, I didn't know what I wanted to do until my last year. I just happened across a a talk and it was an ambassador from the WHO and he was talking about like polio, smallpox and really all the initiatives that the WHO was doing. Um, And I realized, oh, wow, I really like, you know, infectious disease. I really like kind of seeing all these different efforts going on throughout the world. So then I took a virology class and It was a lot more in depth about the specific diseases. And I still, I really liked that, but I wanted to do more than just kind of study and research disease. I wanted to see more about like how they spread and everything. And then my, my professor was like, oh, that's, that's epidemiology. And I was like, what is, what is that? (laughs) So then I learned about epidemiology through just kind of random chances. And then I uh, saw that the University of Iowa was, uh, they had a program, an MPH program, and then I, I went for it and I, I knew I wanted to do infectious disease. You know, I studied a lot of you know, pandemic stuff and that really got me excited. And then um, throughout my grad school experience, I was focused on the, the infectious disease piece. So I didn't really branch out until really the last semester. But then once I, I graduated, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to kind of get my hand in a bunch of different pots. So what I did was I, I kind of interned with the um, workforce development piece. So the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. And that was something I didn't know if I would, I would like, but I, I really enjoyed that piece too. And then I also um, did work with emergency preparedness at the State Hygienic Lab. And again, I really liked that. And it was something that I didn't initially think that that was going to be my focus. But um, throughout you know, my grad school um, education, I realized that I need to start branching outside, specifically infectious disease. And I fell in love with both of those. And then I found out the local public health really does all of these different things. And there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, I I learned in my MPH program, but I didn't know about until really I started working in these different fields that this actually encompasses epidemiology as well. So then I landed here in Black Hawk County. (laughs) I think most of us don't really know what epidemiology is really like, just like you did, you know, until a professor had brought it up to you. So what does your current role look like on a day-to-day basis? 
So COVID really changed my schedule a lot. So at first it was really just kind of understanding the different scopes of our community health initiatives, as well as the different uh, data sources that I would need to be pulling information from. I would need to be creating myself by doing surveys, really just getting the idea of the community, what we're working for, um, like equity issues, issues to do with just the community at large, the outside of infectious disease. Because when I started on, the main focus was really these initiatives outside of infectious disease. So really only like 10 to 15% of my job as like an infectious disease epi was really focusing on doing in those investigations with the reportable diseases in Iowa. Um, and then COVID hit and then that became like 25% of the time and then it became 50% of the time and now it's like 120% of the time that I'm doing COVID. So it's, it's one of those things that it changes depending on what initiatives are happening in the community and really what outbreaks are happening because it can 10% of the time really took up a lot of time when there was like an E. coli outbreak or a flu outbreak outside of this. So really when I come into the day, I am working on managing all the different COVID investigations. Um, I'm cleaning data through the early mornings and then I update the different numbers on all of our websites. Um, and then just create the different uh, graphics that we use, post them on our websites, post like little things on our social medias. And then from pretty much then on, it's vaccine planning. Um, sometimes there's different days like Mondays and Wednesdays are very heavily vaccine planning as well as Fridays, but the Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have a little time um, to focus on all the other things that we're doing outside of COVID. So like community health planning, the quality improvement projects. Um, emergency preparedness is a huge thing that we do um, every Tuesday. And then communication meetings, going through all the different things like are people uh, taking away what we thought we were, um, going through the chronic disease grants that I'm part of. So all the, all the fun stuff outside of COVID really doesn't happen until like I finally get free time. <laughs> It seems like it's a, a jack of all trades kind of thing. You've got to be ready to respond and do everything in that role. Exactly. And that's what I, and it's really different depending on what, I guess, epidemiology you're focused on. Are you doing local level, state level, or federal level? So I've seen that state and federal is a lot more of looking at the data and then also kind of seeing if it needs to be cleaned. Is there more stuff that needs to be gathered? but also doing data analysis a lot. And then at a federal level, it's almost purely data analysis, making those guidelines for you know every state to look at and then create their own. But the local level, you're really gathering all that information rather than um, doing it yourself. You have a little bit of stuff that you can do, like you can make surveys or you can, um, you can do some initiatives with like infectious disease. You can look at the data and see if there's any particular parts in your county but it's really small. So you can't really post a lot of that information outside of internal use to be able to start these um, community health projects. You talked a little bit about how vaccine planning is going and that's obviously a big concern right now. Mm. What does that look like in your role? What kind of bit piece do you play in the whole vaccine planning, especially in Black Hawk County where there's considerable concern about COVID-19 spread as exactly. there's everywhere in Iowa? Yeah, so at first I 
I was really mainly focused on maintaining operations. So the COVID investigation stuff. And then I kind of slowly get pulled into when we need to have more um, people involved in the vaccine planning. So now, like we have internal meetings before we really take what we're going to do with um, the vaccine allocations that we're getting. So everything's really kind of moving so fast. So we're responding a lot, like, like, like you said. So then what we were doing a month ago was very different what we're doing today. And it feels like our process is so streamlined now compared to what it was back in the day that it's almost impossible to like think that we were doing that. Like oh my, that would just take so many man hours to finish. Essentially like what I'm, I kind of get pulled into the discussions internally and then more now on these, our health partners producing the, the vaccine. So not producing, but giving the vaccine. Um, and then how we're going to do that. So we have the homebound population is a good example is we can easily get all these individuals who are 64 and younger with underlying health conditions. We just open up these pods and say, just contact this person, schedule that, and then you can get it scheduled. But the individuals who can't come in or the individuals who don't have access to the internet. So all these equity issues that we need to have you know, in the front of our mind those are like those internal planning and then when we take those those ideas and then we see like is this possible in this clinic setting to do this are we still going to be able to get through our throughput of 80 percent of the vaccines um, in arms throughout the week so then it's all these like different dynamics going back and forth so just being part of those conversations is really where i'm i'm at you graduated in 2019 so that's a Mm -hmm. fairly quick turnaround before COVID happened Looking at, you know, moving directly from being a student to being immersed in combating this pandemic in Iowa, what was that like? It was quite a transition. I think it was really when I first started, I had about three months where I didn't really do COVID stuff. And those three months, I feel like, you know, the grad school program really prepared me for what I should expect out of local public health. Um, But then when the pandemic came, it was really a lot of just response rather than planning and then using data to plan and then do those efforts. It was a lot of, I have this data and now I have to figure out within a day how to use this data effectively, but also make sure that it's cleaned, that it's you know telling the story that we want to tell. So it was a lot of immediate responses that I wasn't really, I was more prepared for taking my time to look at and go through things and make sure everything was perfect before we start going. So now it's like making sure it's perfect, like immediately. So what does that transition look like when you're trying Mm -hmm. to go from like, we talk about evidence-based policymaking a lot of the time or evidence-based epidemiology too, and going into this novel situation, I'm thinking number one, how does it affect you when you're Mm -hmm. trying to figure this out as a young career professional? The number two, how does it affect how you interact with the public, right? That's another key part of public health is the outfacing component that you do. How, yeah. do. how do those things overlay? It really, in the beginning, I was a new professional. So I wanted to get my hands on everything. I wanted to do everything. I was excited. So I had all that energy. So then I was really, I guess, primed and ready to respond in that way. I feel like if I was in my career 10 years down the road, I might be a little bit more jaded. I don't know if I would want to respond so quickly to things and do that. But then I guess with the transition of communicating to the community 
um, that was something that I never really did outside of like my volunteer experience. I did work with like crisis intervention at community there in Iowa City, and that helped me kind of talk to people. But to actually communicate the issues when there's, I guess, all this disinformation going around, but also good information and then there's information in between there's just information overload essentially so being able to communicate and i'm usually not the best communicator i i like to talk about things and then my mind just wanders and then i have to rope it back in and then talk so learning that on the fly um was difficult but there's a there's a lot of communication going on right now to make sure that when people are calling us, that we're able to tell them the same things, or that we're able to tell them something that is understandable in a way and like kind of dissect the information that's out there and lay it in front of them. So then they know what is actually happening instead of it being like an issue that was posted maybe on Facebook and they're saying, well, this person said this and um, having to be in tune with all the things that are happening in the community, like say someone, um, got the vaccine and now they're a, a leader in the community and they said this is how it happened and it was awful and don't do it and um, then just kind of having to like work with that leader but also with the population that follows that leader like how are we able to communicate with them but also understand you know if someone like that was talking to me like if I was following a leader I would feel that way too like and giving that empathy piece and just understanding like we're all part of the community but how do we make sure that everyone's on the same page so that was that outward mindset that was kind of thrust upon us in this because we have to make sure that we're communicating in a way that people understand us so otherwise we're just talking to the wall and we're not going to get anything done can you give some advice to other students who want to pursue a similar career to yours Yes, I would say really depending on what you want to do after school, try to intern or at least volunteer in places that you normally wouldn't think for your major. So I did emergency preparedness and workforce development. And those were two things that I didn't typically think that epidemiology would do. But there's still a lot of data. There's a lot of, I guess, things that you can take from epidemiology and put it into those perspectives to give a different uh, lens on what you're doing. And it's really helpful to understand also people who are in preparedness are thinking like this. How can I take that and bring it back to epidemiology? And um, really don't underestimate the volunteer experience that we have. Um, I talked about the crisis intervention. That helped me dramatically de like de-escalating so many volatile like conversations. Because when people are calling us, um, they're very upset or they're, something happened in the community that they are not trusting of the government. And then when you're sitting there and you're that representative, you want to make sure that you're helping them. But you also want to make sure that, you know, you're treating them as like a person. Like they're very frustrated, but they, they want to talk about something. So that helped me. And I didn't think that was going to be something that I used on a daily basis, but I definitely... I definitely use that a lot, but also, I guess, the not really volunteer, but sitting in on lab meetings. So uh, there's a lot of lab meetings that are, happen on, on campus. So I did uh, sit down with Dr. Peterson's lab because I was really interested with infectious disease, though I didn't really work there. I just sat in every, every morning on their lab meetings and just learned a lot about 
what immunology was happening on our campus, but also infectious disease. And I really, I still take some of that stuff that I learned in that today. Can you talk more about the, the emergency preparedness aspect? You know, that's something that in my head, I don't think of epidemiology going there. I think of epidemiology as data, statistics, uh, infectious disease modeling. When yep. you're talking about the emergency preparedness experience you had, what was, what was that like? What did you gain from it? It was very different than I was working with. Like, I wasn't working with data, like you're saying. I wasn't doing modeling, but it's, it's really heavily influenced by disease and epidemiology, but also outside of disease, like disasters. So just response. So when you're at a local level, you're going to be having your hands in everything. And one of my, like outside of infectious disease, preparedness is a huge piece of what epidemiologists would be expected to do. So having that experience at the state hygienic lab of going through the different exercises and seeing like the tabletop exercise, it was actually for the pandemic influenza is what I did my capstone project on. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for this. You know, like everything's um, already laid out. There's plans already. And like you're taking some of that piece of that preparedness and then you can bring it to epidemiology. You know, like this is how reportable diseases come in. This is how the preparedness is going to respond. Do they mesh or are they conflicting? And then you can see like, and is that really congruent with what's going on and the preparedness aspect? Because it seems like everything gets siloed the more busy everyone gets. So then you can't always communicate with the preparedness individuals who are doing the emergency management or the hospital. So you have to understand what they're doing on the back end. So then you know that you can develop policies and things that are work with them as well. I think it's ironic that, you know, your capstone was in regards to influenza <laughs> planning and then you got thrust into COVID planning. Would you say pandemic planning is your favorite aspect of public health or public health issue or what, what gets you energized about coming into work every day? Definitely the pandemic response was my number one reason why I kind of wanted to go into public health in the first place. And it got me really excited. I studied it in undergrad. I also like studied it through grad school and then my capstone project. So I thought, you know, going into this pandemic, like, oh, we have all these plans. We're ready. It's all laid out. And then COVID just kind of threw all of that out the window because like everything that we planned is really for influenza. And that's a very different virus than COVID. So we know what we would do with influenza because it's already in our, our areas. Like we get seasonal influenza all the time, but then a pandemic influenza is just a little strain of that. Whereas a novel coronavirus is a completely new virus and we're going to be testing it to see where it's at pretty much at all times. We want to know where it's at. It has a very different incubation period, which was really stressful on a lot of people compared to the influenza, which is only within the week rather than two weeks. So we really had all these plans set in place for influenza, but then I don't think we were really truly prepared for what COVID could do, which was very different. It, it also presented in all these different ways, like you could be completely asymptomatic. And I mean, you wouldn't even know. And that's kind of a different feel than when we think of flu we think of oh you're completely under the weather you know when you have the flu especially like a pandemic flu you're not coming into work (laughs) 
Whereas if, you know, your employer is like, well, you know, we don't know if you have it or not. You just have a sniffle and then you come in, then you're potentially spreading COVID all over the place. It's a big whack-a-mole game, it seems like. You know, it's trying to figure out what intervention works best in yeah. having such a wide swath of the population you're trying to take care of, right? There's no one-size-fits-all solution. Make it easy. Let's figure out a path forward. And I imagine yes. that's incredibly hard. And that's actually, I think, what's energizing me now is mm-hmm. these issues with equity is that you can, like I say, like half my day is COVID planning, but like and it's in a sense, really, there's su- those super easy ways to get something done. Like you just say, well, we'll just schedule ev- everyone online and then we'll send everyone to these different places. But then you start thinking, well, what if someone doesn't have the Internet access or what if someone doesn't even know how to use these scheduling platforms or what if they don't know how to speak English and all these different pieces that are coming together? Like, how do we reach these populations? Because COVID doesn't just go after the people who use the Internet and know how to schedule a like a a clinic so it's going to be in our community everywhere so how do we make sure that just because you don't have these resources that you're not getting the care you need and that's a very large portion of vaccine planning is making sure that we're not missing populations and if we are like who do we need at the table to make sure that they're able to show us this is where you're missing and that's a, a big piece that makes me excited now is like how can we help everyone rather than just a a big portion of our our population to round us out with that equity piece you know one thing we always ask folks is what's one thing you thought you knew but were later wrong about when you're going into those stages right now where you're at with the vaccine planning and this is again Mm -hmm. still a novel situation what do you think you went in expecting and it was just completely different i would say really when everything was starting with the like everything was coming through COVID was over in the Asian area and then it started going to European and then we were all like looking at everything like how is it over there like what are the age groups and what are how is it spreading what is the incubation period learning all about this disease and then where it would affect people the most And then we were spending like a month and a half, like every day we were out in the community doing education. Um, I felt like I knew almost everything about COVID at that point. Like my day and night was just COVID. Like even my social media posts were posting COVID information to me. And it's like, I can't get away from it. And I still feel like that. But in the beginning, it was just so much information. And then when it came and it finally hit, it was like, we thought we had everything planned. We were setting everything in motion. And then it just was so different. Like, even if you look at how it, it spreads, like we thought we would go into it and then it would spike up in the May, June, and then it would slowly go down in the summer. And we thought we'd have a break through the summer and then it would just be a monster in the, in the winter. And there was no break at all. It was just constant doing everything and i feel like whenever you think you know something about COVID and how it's gonna be you know next week next month next year you don't know (laughs) it just likes to to switch everything up and i i guess it really humbles me um in that aspect because that shows me that i have a lot left to learn um not just in pandemic response but just how our community works and functions because we also are talking and there's all these siloed approaches, but 
we're also vaccine planning all the time. So I'm communicating with community leaders all the time now, every day. I guess it just, I was wrong about how COVID was going to happen. <laughs> you were wrong, but I think a, the mass majority of people were wrong about COVID. Exactly. In and so I think it's really awesome to hear from your perspective as an early careerist, and especially as a College of Public Health alumni. We love having mm -hmm. alumni on the show. So thank you again for taking the time out to talk with us today on From the Front Row. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. That's it for this episode of From the Front Row. Big thanks to Aaron Reiki for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted and written by Alexis Clark and Steve Lansagne. This episode was edited and produced by Steve Lansagne. You can find more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Keep on keeping on out there.